What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. God is so good. He continues to bless our lives and do special things for us and through us and to us. And I'm so thankful. First time I've been here since Jonathan has been in the lead and it looks like he's doing well. Old school. Folks don't know what that is anymore. Old school. So I want to tell you, if you don't mind, and let you know, and uh, I'll show you, I got that many notes, so uh, you'll know I didn't change it. The last two Sundays I have uh, been filling in for a pastor who lost his wife through a an unfortunate sudden death. I had heard him tell someone who was going to preach for him, how should I dress? And he said, if you wear a, a coat and tie, they look at you funny. So I went in a shirt with a shirt tail out, first time in my life, <laughs> old school. I, they liked it so well, and I enjoyed it too. That the next Sunday I went with a pullover, got out of the car, and the first thing I heard was, go over there and get you some sausage, Brother Wilson. They were cooking it right there at the door. Got a little farther, and I heard someone say, look, he's learned how to dress. <laughs> but in the house, there were hundreds of people who were rejoicing in the Lord. I didn't like the shorts. I didn't care for the tattoos or the piercings. But there were people saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. I don't even like their water baptismal service. It sounds like a circus. The pastor doesn't even... He doesn't even go to the baptistry. He stands down here with a microphone as a cheerleader. Someone goes under. When they come back up, they hear nothing but a thunderous roar of applause and hallelujah and praise the Lord. <laughs> then I go to some Assembly of God church that a uh, bunch of stuff shirts. They never have a move of God. They, they just sit there and look at you. Most of them like this. <laughs> and when somebody does that to me, it just simply says, you just try to move me, preacher. Church has always been different. Assemblies of God churches have always been different. David Womack, Home Secretary for Foreign Missions in the Assemblies of God back in the 60s, 70s, came to a church where I was pastoring and shared with me. He said, it doesn't matter if people move from church to church. All our churches are, are different. Now, now, when I was first born into the family, it was somewhat cookie cutter. 
had assembly of God on the sign outside. It had the markings of assembly of God when you came inside. People were just as excited. The message seemed to be just the same. People were eager to serve God and worship the Lord and give thanks to Him. But today, the church is in a mess. Today, churches that preach the Word have problems keeping people because there are too many others that are failing to go by the Word of God. There are, are those that just um, come on in and uh, sit down, and we promise we won't keep you more than 55 minutes. Stop outside and get you a cup of coffee and a donut and enjoy that while the word's going on. Or come on in and we've got a screen. And you can hear a guy in Birmingham who's going to give you one of five messages. And you can draw a crowd of 50,000 people on a Sunday. But if you want to have church, you're going to have to get out of the crowd mentality because a crowd doesn't make church. The Spirit of God, the power of God, the might of God, the glory of God, the victory of God, those are the things that bring church. Church is the, is the called out ones who are giving themselves over to the Lord and trusting in Him. Church. The church like I was born into, just across the interstate, Gardendale Church of God. The church where people began to rejoice and give thanks unto the Lord and a guy on the platform playing guitar comes to the place where I'm working and says, why don't you come to revival? And I go to revival and I find this old lady preaching the word of the Lord who's been divinely healed of abdominal cancer and the power of God falls in that house and conviction falls upon me and I go down to the altar and begin to pray and people come over and they begin to whisper in my ear, now you can be baptized, now you can be baptized. The only two water baptismal services that I'd ever seen was on a Shirley Temple movie at a church of God that I had visited some Sunday night before that particular Tuesday night. And I am afraid of the dark and snakes and I wasn't going to go out anywhere and get baptized because I noticed they didn't have a baptistry. <laughs> Not knowing that they were talking about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I got up with a born again experience trusting in God, believing in Him, walking in Him. And today, some 54 years later, next month, 
I rejoice that God is still the God of the true and living church. Well, that didn't cost you anything. Uh, the next going to be very expensive. So good to have uh, my favorite and best ladies director for Teen Challenge with us. I say that because we only got one. <laughs> and our best and greatest uh, men's transition home director, husband and wife. Going to have a baby. Praise the Lord. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 26, beginning to read with verse number 17. Genesis chapter 26, beginning to read with verse number 17. Would you please stand in reverence to the reading of God's word? And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which his fathers digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called the names after the names by which his fathers had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love. Thank you for your provision in life, the joy that we have that we present to you in the service today. Thank you for the wonderful praise and worship. Thank you for those who responded to you. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to praise you and you the acceptance of that praise as we honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You might be seated. Pastoring in Walker County some many years ago, a man up the road from us, about a half a mile, dug a well. It was a drilled well, and he hit natural gas before he hit water. He could turn the water on, the spigot in the, in the kitchen, light a match and throw it in, and light a fire. About a quarter of a mile between the church and him was a lady who dug a septic tank hole and hit water and had to fill the septic tank with water to sink the septic tank. Come up to the church and we, had, we would have to bathe in about six inches of water because the well was so poor. But just across the road and down the way, less than an eighth of a mile, they were driving a stake into the roadbed and hit an artesian well. So I want to talk about those kind of wells. The wells that Abraham dug. The wells that caused Isaac to go back and dwell in the land to re-identify with his fathers and find the unexpected. We, also in this day and time, if we're going to have the true church, dig the wells of our fathers. 
We're going to have to go back to the Jonathan Edwards day when he preached so poorly, a sinner in the hands of God. The light was so dim and his vision so poor that he held the paper up like this to read it. And while reading, people would stand and scream, what must I do to be saved? We've got to go back to the day when people came to the house of God and they found something there that they couldn't find out in the world and it revolutionized their lives. It changed them and the glory filled them and their presence was felt when they would go to the house of God. We've got to go back to the days of Smith Wigglesworth. We mentioned him out in the uh, hall earlier who got off a train one day to wash his face because of the soot from the engine. And he walked across the platform praying and believing. And as he reboarded the plane, a man approached him and said, Sir, your very countenance convicts me. We've got to go back to the day when salvation is real. When God comes down and touches an individual's lives and causes the blood to touch those sins and they are remitted. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We've got to come back to where the altars are full of sinners who are seeking the power of God, who are wanting their sins to be forgiven. In my early days, we used to talk about people coming up and shaking the preacher's hand to get saved or filling out a card to get saved. Now you go back to the back in a hallway and you sit down at a table or stand at a table and talk to somebody about salvation. I'm just wondering how that would have worked on the day of Pentecost. When Peter, when concluding his message, gave an altar call and 3,000 souls came to know the Lord. Or let's move over one other chapter and see how it would work when the man was healed at the gate, beautiful, and as he is leaping and praising the Lord, a crowd is drawn, and the power of God falls, and 5,000 souls come to the Lord. Can you imagine one table and the line? My salvation doesn't depend upon your acceptance. My salvation depends upon his acceptance. My salvation depends upon his touch upon my life, his victory given to me, his glory falling upon me. Salvation needs to come back as a cardinal truth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his name, we must be saved. And then we've got to come back to the second cardinal truth of the experience of the Holy Ghost baptism. 
Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. I got a car sitting out in the parking lot. And on it are a bunch of bells and whistles. On it there are a lot of things that are added. There are things that are perks. They're not mandatory. And so I just sat down and said, matter of fact, I walked into the dealership, having had two almost just like it. I said, I want it silver. I want a moonroof. I don't know why. I want running boards because it's an SUV. I want a GPS system. My grandsons quit watching the television so I don't need a screen in the back seat. And I began talking about all the things I wanted and it didn't make it run or drive a bit better. You see, there are things that are optional in that car. And there may be some things in your life that are optional. But the thing that we need today is to get back to the power of the mighty God that says, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to walk in your spirit. I want to be led in your spirit. I want the spirit of God to touch me so I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want the power of God in my life so I can walk in victory and change the atmosphere around me. And people can see what you have done in my life. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Today... In most churches, and I'm sad to say, in many assemblies of God churches, if God were to come in and someone were to stand up and give an utterance in tongues, or if someone dared to move in prophecy, they'd be called out. Well, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That's relegated to a back room. That's a small group thing. Young banker walked into my office one day and asked me what I thought about a particular church. I said, I don't think much of them. He said, why not? I said, because it is a stealth Pentecostal church. What do you mean by that? I said, they have the name Pentecost, but they have nothing Pentecost in it. He said, can I talk to you? I said, oh, yeah. I love to deal with idiots and Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> oh, that was redundant. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, I, and I took him into my office, and I sat him down, and I began to talk to him from 1 Corinthians and 12 and 14. And when I began to say, and tongues are for the unbeliever, I thought he's going to faint. He said, where does it say that? I said, in the book. <laughs> he said, my pastor says 
that is confusing. I said, then, why is it for the unbeliever if it's confusing? He left scratching his head, and I left, I left smiling. Because what we need today is another dose of the Holy Ghost. What we need today is a double dose of the Holy Ghost. What we need today is the power of God coming down in the house of God and stirring people's lives. And while we are yet speaking, the power moves and people stand and rejoice and give glory to God for His mercy and His goodness and His power and His victory. We need to be moved by the Spirit. Of God. We need to come back to believing in divine healing. We've just slid it aside. We need to begin displaying the bottle of oil in big quantities. We need to let people know that if they call together the elders of the church and they pray over them, they will be healed. We need to believe that by his stripes we were healed. Regardless of what's going on around us, we need to know that God is the healer. Yes. I am so appreciative of all of you who have been praying for my wife. And while she has undergone chemotherapy and now on Tuesday beginning 25 to 28 radiation treatments, I still believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. I believe that he can come on the scene and he can touch the life and he can give victory and healing can come. Walked into the hospital, Princeton Hospital in West End. I was there at the invitation of one of my church members a young man was standing by his grandmother's bed, and I began talking to him about Jesus. And his reply was, I will serve Jesus if he will heal my grandmother. I said, let's go to the prayer room. Across to the prayer room, and we sat down, and I began telling him, God doesn't bargain. The thing is, if you will accept Jesus, then we'll pray for God to heal your grandmother. He knelt at a chair and I prayed with him and he asked Jesus to come into his life. I went away on a trip and when I came back, I went to visit grandma and grandma was healed and up and getting everything ready so she could go home because Jesus had come down and healed her life. I walked into another room and there was a lady whose body was swelled so with cancer that the gown she had on wouldn't hold the flesh. And I laid hands on her and I prayed and I believed and God healed her. And when I went back, there the bed was empty. A nice looking petite young lady was doing all the things, getting ready for, to take everything out of the room. I was thinking, this lady has died. This lady is cleaning out the room. And when I approached her, she thanked me for having come and prayed for her, divinely healed by the power of God has everybody been healed I prayed for oh no many have died but it doesn't negate the fact that by his stripes we were healed God is still the healer if we will trust in him 
the fourth cardinal truth that we need to talk about more today is the coming of Jesus Christ. I believe that we have forgotten that the early church greeted one another with the word Maranatha, he cometh. We have come to the place where we are happy here. We've built our little kingdom. We're satisfied with what we have. We are comfortable where we are, and why should we move? I can tell you why we should move. There are people on the other side who are saying, you just can't wait to get up here. You don't know what's up here. You don't know, really know what's happening up here. If you knew what was happening up here, you would be crying out unto God, even so come, Lord Jesus. I keep burying people, burying people, buried one on Tuesday, buried another one on Saturday. Thankfully, they were both saints of God, and one of these days, when I get to heaven, they're going to say, you made a miserable mess at my funeral. <laughs> but I did my best. I did my best. You see, you see, heaven Get sweeter Amen. every day. Every day. To know who's over there. But not only who's over there, who paved the way for them to get over there. If we're going to have church, we're going to have to begin to dig the wells of conscience. To have the mind of Christ to think like he thinks to act like he acts to be like he is to trust in him as he trusted in God to have our lives transformed by his mercy his grace his goodness and his mind to lead and guide and direct us we're going to have to have a moral conscience. The woman caught in adultery comes to Jesus. Jesus bends down and begins to write on the ground. He who is without sin casts the first stone. And the scripture says, and they which heard it being convicted in their own conscience. Went out one by one. Let me throw you a prayer request out. The former bookkeeper for Alabama Adult and Teen Challenge is the grandmother of the little boy that was left in the car in Anniston died and the twin little girl lived. And I am so sick of social media, Facebook in particular, because that's the only one I'm on, and the criticism and the nastiness and the ugliness that spews out of Christians' mouths when they don't know the story. What kind of man is he? Well, he's a man that put his children in the back seat in a rush to go to work, threw his coat over the diaper bag that he had put in the front seat as a reminder that his kids were in the back seat and didn't see the... I'm not justifying, I am not trying to 
to make excuse for him. I'm telling you that it's time for the church to rise up and begin to pray rather than criticize. It's time for us to quit judging other individuals and say, except for the grace of God, there go I. Well, I'm meddling now, and I'm, I'm sorry. But I'm angry that the church has lost its bearings. It's lost its direction. It's lost its victory. It's lost its hope in many cases. And the next one isn't any better than the, <laughs> we've forgot about, forgotten about sanctification. This is what happened. The pendulum that ought to be swung way over in conservatism. And there wasn't nothing good about nothing. Bad grammar, emphasis. And in my day, I was born in that day. I was born in the kingdom of God that day. And the pendulum began to swing. And instead of stopping, everything was wrong. It swung over here to where anything goes. Because today we have forgotten that we are a peculiar people. We have forgotten that we're to come out from the world and be a separate people. We have forgotten that the sin of this world should not govern our lives, but the power of God should transform us that we might be in his image and his example before a world that is lost and going to hell. Well, you didn't like that one, so I'll go to the next one. We've got to dig again the wells of obedience. Godly living, holiness without which no man shall see God. I don't think that has to do with, with dress. I was preaching last Sunday and a man was sitting over here that got saved under Matt Gober's ministry, a former Hills angel. He's got long hair, gray hair. He's old. Should, he's way too old for this. He rides a motorcycle. He has as many rings on his fingers as Nick Saban in that commercial. <laughs> and I pointed it out. Even had him stand so they could see what I talked about. Everybody knew him. He was the secretary of the church's husband, an elder of the church. We don't need to major in the minors and expect people to live just like we live. I've gone fishing. And the fish always come up smelly and scaly. 
and I can't clean them till I get them out of the water. But the church today wants these lily white people, not in skin color, to walk in to the house of God with no imperfections, no bag and baggage. And while I'm there, let me just tell you that there are too many preachers in churches today, and I say this from a former district official's position, there are too many Assemblies of God ministers in the world today who are happy with the number that they have because they're not embarrassed if a visitor happens to walk in and they've got enough money that their salary and the utilities are being paid, why should they go out and win somebody in the world and them bring their bag and baggage in and them have to deal with it? Friends, there's a world out there full of people who are addicted to all kinds of things, who are involved in all kinds of things, who live in all kinds of ways, and they're not going to make it to heaven unless the church gets up and goes out and begins to live a life of holiness and victory before them and invite them to the house of God. That's how I got there. That's what got a hold of me. Somebody lived a life before me, and because they had a life that was pleasing unto the Lord, I began to have my appetite whetted, and I wanted to live like they lived. I wanted to come into the same fellowship and the love of God that they have. What to do with my glasses? There they are on that side. It's terrible to get old. It's just oh, terrible to get old. Your, your, your hair gets gray, and what doesn't get gray gets out. They keep giving you these crowns in your teeth, if you've got teeth, and if they don't, they give you some dentures. Or... Isn't that right, Brother Kay? Talking about your profession now, I'm sorry. And we, we, then, then we get old, I traverse these steps. I, I went to a, to a church I had pastored. I didn't build, but I had pastored it, and I said if Don Davis had known how old he was going to get, he wouldn't have put so many steps up to the platform. <laughs> we got to have godly living. But not only that, we have got to come to the place where we love and care for others. I may not like the way they look. I may not act like the way they act. I may not like the places they go. I not, may not like the vocabulary they use. I may not like the way they smell. But if I am going to win them to God, I'm going to have to get close enough for them to see the light of the gospel through my living. I'm going to have to care enough to go to them and minister to them. A book was written, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. We got to love. We got to accept people the way they are. We got to forgive them for who they are so that they can come under the umbrella of God and be forgiven of all we don't like about them. 
Now, when I leave, you just take Jerry and Mary off to the side and let them tell you what kind of culprit I was and how I didn't like them. They bothered me in more ways than one. We've got to come to where we love the unlovable. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their afflictions and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I'm about through. It's not even near 12 o'clock. i got to prolong this thing. But there's a perk. There's a perk. Isaac just kept digging the wells. His servant just kept digging the wells. Let me tell you what these wells were. They were, they were cisterns. Cisterns. Whole water, not for water to come up. Today, they're in Israel, rainfall is 8 to 12 inches a year. A year. Let me repeat that. A year. And the cisterns were dug so the water would come and be held. And then they had the water when they needed it. There were many wells. Abraham had dug them and the Philistines had come and filled them up. The debris that was in the wells, the thorns, the thistles, the limbs, the tree trunks, and the dirt that they pulled and they dug up until they got the cistern open. But until it rained, it was no good. It was just a hole. And when we're digging the wells around us and we are making it available as life-giving substance to those who are lost and those who are sick and those who lack the infilling or those who are unconcerned about the coming of the Lord, the enemy's going to come and he's going to try to persuade us that this is no good. There is nothing to this but as a perk to Isaac. He dug another well. This was a different well. And all at once out of that well sprung water. And there was life giving sustenance right then to Isaac, his family, his friends, his neighbors, and to whomever, because there was God coming on the scene and giving him that ability. Now today, when I look around and I say, oh God, I prayed, and she or he was not healed. Or when I look at an individual 
who we try to deal with on a daily basis for a full year and teen challenge, and they only go back into the world and get back into drugs or alcohol or worse, overdose and die. I begin to think. I'm digging these wells. I'm pulling out this debris. I'm clearing this out so water can freely flow. And this is still happening. When I look around and I see the unconcern of the church and the despondency of people and when I see the lack of victory in the lives of people who call themselves in the name of the Lord, I need a fresh drink of water from the fountain of God. And so, Jesus says in John chapter 7, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. That's what I've been talking about. And out of his belly shall spring up rivers of living water. Let me tell you, when I'm dry and thirsty... I don't go to the fountain. I go to the one who is the head of the fountain. And out of me flows the rivers of water. When I get discouraged, I go to God. And out of me flows a river of water. When I begin to doubt, I go to God. And He out of me flows with this power of the living water. But what is this water? This spake he, the scripture continues, of the Holy Ghost. For as yet the Holy Ghost had not been given. If any man thirst, let him come. And out of him shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost. For as yet the Holy Ghost had not been given. But it all boils down to the closing verse. And to that you say hallelujah. The path to receive everything I have described comes from one simple verse Matthew gave in 6 and 33. But seek ye first. Numero uno. Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Now friends, I lived in the day of Abuse and misuse of the gifts of the Spirit. But I would rather correct what's wrong than to neglect what's right. I would rather put out a little wildfire than have no fire at all. I would like to bring correction 
to those who have strayed rather than leave them to go off a precipice to their spiritual death because I dared not tell them to. We must be people of the word, people of the spirit. We must dig again the wells of our forefathers and let again the spirit of God fall in the house of God. A friend of mine went to the airport and picked up the foreign missions, the former foreign missions director of the Assemblies of God. And he said to him, Brother Bueno, I want to explain that I may have to call people down in the church for the overuse and abuse of spiritual gifts. To which Brother Bueno replied, I'd just like to hear from you. Because church today is void. In many cases, our spiritual gifts. Now I mentioned the churches that don't allow the spiritual gifts to operate. Let me let me let me let me tell you that if during the course of one of their services, someone stood to their feet divinely healed by the power of God, they'd put in a new service and accept that. If someone jumped to their feet and screamed, I have received a miracle of God. They put in a new service. Or if by chance someone were to operate in faith or wisdom or discerning of spirits, How dare they relegate the Holy Spirit to a little room when the whole house belongs to God? This isn't your house. This is God's house. And if he's not able to work here, if he's not invited to work here, if he's not, if he's, if, if, if he's not put in the front here, then why should he even come? If Jonathan had said, Ed Wilson, I'd like you to come and preach for me, and he did, and then he canceled. No, he rescheduled it. If he, if he were to say, I, I want you to come, and I drove this hundred miles to get here this morning, and he had told me 
for no reason you're not preaching. That'd be one good thing. Why should we invite God in the house and not take every single word? Because we're inviting him unto his house. To do his work. Father in Jesus' name. I pray that you will give us the victory that we need. You will let church be what the church ought to be. Lord, that we would not be happy with crowds. We would only be happy by the flow of your spirit. That we wouldn't be happy with condensed sermons that meets a certain time slot. We wouldn't be happy with praise and worship time that's only orchestrated and demonstrated, choreographed, and void of the Spirit of God. That we won't be happy with watered-down, ear-tickling messages but only messages that have the fire and messages that bring conviction and messages that brings hope will be acceptable. And Lord, let us never, ever, ever be content with empty altars. For salvation experiences are the lifeblood of the church. Holy Spirit baptism is the lifeblood to the world as we evangelize. The altars are a place where we come and rid ourselves of conviction by confession and contrition. Lord, let us, let us come back to church. So that when we invite others, they will find the only ingredient that matters when they get there, and that is you. doing your will in Jesus name in Jesus name if you came today without a church I'm not talking about membership in a local church I'm talking about the church the church the body of Christ the believers 
If you came today without a salvation experience, I want to invite you to be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's not my promise, it's his, in Romans 10. If you confess, he will give you power to become the sons of God. That's not my promise, that's his promise. And then we come to the believer. If you came with sin in your life, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For he is our advocate. He's our Savior. If you came today with sickness, he's our healer. If you came today void of the infilling of the Spirit of God, he's here to out of your belly cause to flow rivers of living water. And if you're here today and it worries you that Jesus could come before we dismiss, you need the peace that passes all understanding by knowing that Jesus has forgiven everything in your life. So I want to just simply give a an altar call for the church. I can give an altar call here, can I, Jonathan? I knew I could, whether you wanted me to or not. If you, if you're, if you really are or want to be a part of the real church, I'm talking about what God has described in the Word. I'm not talking about the assemblies of God or the any other denomination. I'm talking about what's described in the Word. If you want to be a part of the real church, I want you to, as everyone is standing, just simply move to the front and stand right here with me. I want to be a part of the church. Come on. As you're coming, as you're coming, as you continue to come, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of the church. Everybody in the house should be up here now. I'm not asking for sinners. I'm asking for people who are church members who want to be the part of the real body of Christ. The real body of Christ. The real body of Christ. To trust in the power of the Spirit to be available to Him, to acknowledge Him. One of these days, I'm going to stand in heaven and God's going to reveal to me a number of children that were reached in Guyana last year as we ministered to 450 in Bible school and many more 
and nightly crusades. I'm going to look out and see that little lady that came into church in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, possessed of the devil, instantly delivered, set free, saved. And six months later, when I went back, she was sitting in church, came to me and said, I'd love to stay for refreshments with you, but I got to walk a mile and a half to get to the second service that I'm going to attend today. I'm going to see Augustine, my translator, who ate a poison pastry and in a rush to do a tracheotomy, cut his vocal cords. And this pastor, Anna, praying and fasting up in the mountains, came down and laid her hands upon him, and those vocal cords were knit back together and healed. I'm going to look into the faces of some people who are going to say, Pastor, you prayed for me to be healed, but I am so glad God didn't answer that prayer. I got to be up here with him earlier. And all this time I've been concerned that I failed and lack of faith because God's still the healer. I want to look into the faces of some people who say, you know, because the Spirit of God worked in the church service, I had the wonderful joy of expressing myself in glossolalia, speaking in tongues, for the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, came to me and filled my life. I don't know what you need. I don't know where you stand with God, but if you need to confess, confess it if you need to. Praise, praise him. If you, if you need to just say, God, here am I. I want to go serve you. Here am I. I want to be effective. Here am I. I want to impress other people with your goodness. I want to share with them your love. Would you do it? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we pray together as a body of believers, we're the called out church. We're the those who who are believing you for the impossible. We're believing you for the glorious. We're believing you for the magnificent. We're believing you for the miraculous. We're believing you to touch our lives. We're believing you to move upon us. We're believing you. You, oh God. You, oh God. You, oh God. We believe in you to make us church. That we no longer be the weak, weak link, but we be church. That we no longer be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. To walk in faith. And trust in you. In Jesus' name. I was pastoring my fourth church. The pastor before me was loud. 
It had to be loud. It had to be. He forced Jericho marches as if it was voluntary. And in spiritual gifts, it was out of order. And I began to teach from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 until people began to question, is he really Pentecostal? But as soon as that church began to flow in the Spirit of God and things began to happen, it ignited a fire. We'd gone from 125 to 185 and they closed Craig Air Base in Selma. And overnight we dropped to 70. But we were still the church. And we were still operating in the spirit. And the next thing I know, people are coming from everywhere. I'll never forget when Benny and Joyce left their house one day and Benny took a wrong turn and didn't go to the church where he and he was supposed to go and Joyce said where are you going going over to the assembly of God there's something happened over there and she began wiping off makeup and pulling off jewelry <laughs> this was back you know <laughs> they drove up in the parking lot and there stood Barbara Etheridge whose son, by the way, out of high school, just been signed with the Baltimore Orioles at shortstop at $4 million. Wish I were still their pastor. <laughs> Barbara was in the parking lot, and Joyce let the window down and said, Barbara, <laughs> with her makeup and jewelry on, do you go to church here? Barbara says, I'm a member. She starts putting her jewelry back on her makeup. And we went from 70 to 350 and beyond and was packed out. But it was when the Spirit of God, we dedicated a new educational building and I invited Joe Smitherman, mayor of Selma, colorful guy, and Newpy Cosby, state representative, and the choir sang a song on Pentecost in the house. Going out the door, Noopy tapped me and he said, Preacher, you need to open the door and let that Holy Ghost out. We all need that. He is a member of First Baptist Church. The next time I saw him, he said, Do you know somebody actually clapped in our church the other day? It was spreading. The church, being the church, will create a body of believers that will be large, but it won't be a crowd, it'll be a congregation. Because of the power of the Spirit. 